Janine was was hot. Radio Drome. Welcome to a spooktacular episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Steroid Ape himself, the Pete. I've I've been slimed. Have you now? Yes. And we have the sellout himself. He's not really a sellout. I'm just making fun of him. Cecil. Yes. Apparently, uh, you know, you, you do one sponsored video and you're a corporate cocksucker. And you know what? I actually liked your sponsored video, so I'm just giving you crap. And we have a special guest this week. We have, and yes, this is his real name. I'm not being a jerk. Bill Hoare is with us. Why am I dripping with goo? <laughs> you gotta say it with the accent. Why am I dripping with goo? <laughs> Why am I dripping with goo? You, you and got, if you, you want to be dripping with goo, oh, there you go. If you want to be dripping itself. with goo, you go to adamandeve.com. They have plenty of goo there. You use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com, and I'm sure you'll be dripping with goo sooner or later. So if you can't tell by the stupid references, we're going to be talking about the Ghostbusters franchise. Bill wanted to talk about this and since he's our special guest really why shouldn't we talk about this franchise with one major exception it's a great franchise we'll get into the history in a minute how did you first encounter ghostbusters and why did it mean something to you i first encountered ghostbusters when i was a kid can't really remember how old i was maybe about four or three very very young it's a movie i've always known about I used to rent it from the library constantly. Getting my hands on the sequel was something, either I had to catch it on TV or I got to rent it from another video store, which was something that was rare. And I don't know, there was something about the jokes. It was a family movie, I guess. We used to quote it all the time, so it kept me going back for more. And growing up on it through high school, I kept laughing at it, loving it more. Growing up through college, same thing. And I just, I adore the franchise and i just want to give it a really really uh good word i want to get my voice on the internet and talk about ghostbusters i was really young and my dad uh showed me the movie uh it was just uh it was hilarious i i fell in love with it it was uh very quotable and uh special effects i still think uh are amazing especially being able to find you know more recently they've released more and more of like the behind the scenes stuff like how they did the uh the state buff marshmallow man and rebuilt New York in like miniature and had a had a big uh, puppet for this. It's just really crazy. Some of the stuff that they did and uh, makes you appreciate it all that much more. But uh, the script was was hilarious. Everybody was on point. Like the chemistry between the cast was great. It really deserves its place as, you know, one of the all time great comedies and one of the all time great ensemble comedies. You've got so many great actors all working in tandem and each playing their part wonderfully and and really making it hilarious. And it's just been a movie that uh, has stuck with me over the years. 
Pretty sure I saw it with my dad, too. Definitely stuck with me. I think it's a brilliantly acted film, a brilliantly written film. There, there's a lot of improvisation that worked because you got people like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and everybody else working together together really, really well. It's got incredibly memorable characters, lines, like Cecil said, like so many effects that still hold up to this day in a movie you can pop in and, and pretty much watch and enjoy whenever i think it's iconic for a reason i think it's i think it's overrated for a reason because it's a damn good film i think it's just it's something that will continue to stand the test of time like i I fell in love with it right away um i also enjoyed the you know the both the cartoons the one in the 80s and extreme ghostbusters as well that came out when i was a kid i think it's it's something that's always been um been part of my life as far as like like pop culture goes like i can i can remember ghostbusters as as far back as I can think of. It's it's always kind of been there. See, uh, since I'm a little older than you guys, I remember seeing this in the theater when I was nine, and it blew me away. And yes, as a nine-year-old, that library ghost scared the shit out of me. The well, yeah, that's time the thing is it, it is... It is kind of a family movie, but it's also sort of an adult movie, too, isn't it? Like, you know, you got Bill Murray's character is a little bit sleazy. There's a little bit of swearing in there. There is some genuinely creepy moments in it. The movie was a major hit in 1984. And and that is saying something, not because of the movie, but because 1984 was a loaded year for horror, sci-fi, and fantasy. So for this movie to come out arguably on top, it had to be better than the massive amounts of competition it had in 1984 but before that we have to go back and look at how this movie came about and that's where you kind of go huh remember how when we did the jaws retrospective we kind of came to the conclusion that jaws was one of the best accidental masterpiece movies that can be said for a lot of the movies that were masterpieces back then i don't think it, i don't think a lot of them were actually intentional exactly he, mm-hmm. here's the thing i think about ghostbusters this might have been an accidental masterpiece because first the movie borrows heavily from 1946's spookbusters it's heavily influenced by that old mickey mouse cartoon with the ghost that's where i ain't afraid of no ghost comes from whether intentional or not takes a lot from the 1975 kids show the filmation show ghostbusters with a space between the words dan Aykroyd's script was 300 pages long oh yeah when you look at all of the deleted scenes in this movie, this movie was saved in editing. And then you also look at, I like John Belushi. But John Belushi as Peter Venkman was bad casting. Maybe it's only because we've seen Bill Murray in his version. I don't see how John Belushi could have pulled off anywhere close to that same performance. And you also have that with how they wanted John Candy as Lewis Tully, Eddie Murphy as Winston Zedmore. And that that one probably wouldn't have been so bad, but I think Murphy would have joined in the ad-libbing and it would have changed the dynamic. I like Winston the way he is. Mm. I think this movie... He's sort of the, the straight man, which I yeah. don't think Eddie Murphy would have wanted to play. He would have wanted to steal scenes with his like comedy improv sort of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. He would have so, been mugging to the camera too much. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, so the, 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 that, that's why I think Ghostbusters is an accidental classic. I don't think when they made this movie, it was the classic. 
classic. I think they remade this movie in the editing room, then it became a classic. I can agree with that. You have to look at how movies are made. I mean, there are movies that are made in the editing room. Balls is another example of a movie that uh, they shot the entirety of the film, they put it together, and they realized, no, this doesn't work quite the way that it, it, it should. We need more time with Bill Murray and Chris Makepeace. So they got a little bit more money from the studio, went back, reshot a bunch of scenes, giving them a little bit more uh, of a history. And then they put it out and now feels like a whole movie. It is more complete and it ended up being a, a classic. And with Ghostbusters, there's a lot of times, I mean, de sometimes deleted scenes are deleted for a reason. They don't work. It doesn't fit right. And uh, they just take it out. Uh, sometimes casting doesn't work. Uh, what's his name? Um, who was originally Marty McFly? Um, Eric, Eric, Eric Stoltz. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's all, you, you don't know until you're on set. You can have somebody who nails it in casting and then you get them on set and it just doesn't work. So yeah, freaking, uh, James Remar was almost Hicks and aliens. And imagine how different that movie would have been. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, with Ghostbusters, with, with the casting, I mean, it might have seemed like a good idea. All right. We've got John Candy. We got this, but we're also looking at it from the perspective of hindsight. We've had, you know, how many decades of seeing these characters played by Bill Murray, by, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd going back. Who knows? Maybe they would have been really good, but what we got is, is fantastic. Why do you think Ghostbusters hit? the the mainstream so much in 1984 do you think it was the blending of the horror and the comedy do you think that the audience was just primed for it why do you think ghostbusters worked so well in 84 when maybe in 82 it wouldn't have or 85 it wouldn't have I really don't know. I think it was exactly what you said with the horror and the comedy being blended together. I think maybe being so well into the horror genre that we got this comedy coming along. The, the right movie at the right time. I mean, sometimes that just happens. They uh, they captured something that uh, hadn't been done before. Well, it had been done before, but it hadn't been done in this capacity before. And you had a lot of talented people working on a very creative script with a lot of, uh, you know, cool effects and things that... Uh, people really hadn't seen on the big screen before and couple that with a very smart marketing campaign they put out i think it was eight months before the film came out they uh put up a ghostbusters hotline and it was a number in uh somewhere in new york and they said it was uh like every day they had an answering machine and every day it was getting like filled to capacity of people calling and, uh, you know, leaving messages. So it was like there obviously was a, was a market for it and, uh, it just, it blew up. I mean, it, uh, it was the right film at the right time done by the right people. I think it just felt fresh. I think it was just a, a movie that, uh, a lot of people hadn't seen before that that type of film, I mean, it had an archetype to it that had been done before, but it had been done in such an iconic, memorable way. You had great characters, like not even just Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and stuff, but Sigourney Weaver played a fantastic character in that movie you know she starts out as a very not to be cliche but a very strong independent woman and she's also kind of the villain at the end of the movie as well when she gets uh possessed by 
Zool or whatever it is, which which I thought was great because that's that's pretty different. You had not only the the strong female character, but you also have her also become the villain that's giving the heroes a, a run for their money. And you know you you've got uh, Rick Rick Moranis was great as sort of the awkward bumbling guy. All the the science fiction elements were on point. All the horror elements were on point. Just the that iconic theme song, the way it was cut cut together, I think it it just worked. Like Cecil said, it was a movie that came out at the right time. It was right place, right time, right timing. Well, and that said, like you mentioned the theme song, I bet Huey Lewis is very happy about that theme song. That padded his bank account out quite a bit, plagiarism lawsuit <laughs> and, and all. But the there was also the surrounding elements. Now, we're not talking the cartoon yet because that's still a couple of years away. Video games coming out. You had the commercials. You had the merchandising. You you, you had all of these things surrounding the movie. Oh, the toys were f***ing great. Well, the toys were based on the cartoon, so that's still two years away. I think just the, even the, the name, Ghostbusters. Some people might remember the Filmation cartoon or the Filmation show from 1975, but Ghostbusters, it just, it rolls off the tongue. 80s and the 70s had very simple titles. You know, you had Alien, Ghostbusters, Robocop. It's like these movies that almost sound like Saturday morning cartoons, and then you get this like really amazingly inventive film that goes along with it. And I think that was an interesting juxtaposition uh, back then that, that seemed to work so well and we don't really get now it's almost like they're trying to overcomplicate titles it's like you there is something to be said in a in a really simple catchy title something like ghostbusters that almost sounds very childlike in a way like for a cartoon or for a comic book and then it gives you this like really awesome inventive movie i think that's 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 something we were only going to get back then but also that's another accident the original title was ghost smashers sorry just doesn't roll off the tongue as well as that ghostbusters like does porn parody. <laughs> yeah the yeah the porn parody is ghost smashers there you go <laughs> but, but okay, so in 1984, this movie well, not only topped the box office, it topped the critic reviews. I mean, even Harlan Ellison, noted curmudgeon, said it's one of the most inventive movies of the 1980s. Harlan Ellison, that's some high praise. That is some high yeah. praise. It's not easy to please. This, ha you know, becoming a, a almost phenomena, you knew there was going to be spinoff materials. And <laughs> porn parodies. <laughs> well, the, the porn parodies are well, like... Yeah, that's that's more recently. The first thing was they wanted to do a cartoon. That's where they ran into a lot of problems. Because remember, Filmation had ghost busters with the space between the words. Part of the deal when Columbia paid them off for the rights to the name... Filmation at least thought the contract said they were going to be doing the cartoon. You know, at this point, they're huge for He-Man and She-Ra and all that. So they assumed they were going to be doing the cartoon. They made up character models and designs. They're not 100% sure why, because there are like three or four different stories, depending on who you talk to from Columbia or Filmation on this. Columbia decided to go with Deke Entertainment. Buzz Dixon put it perfectly. Deke was known for Do It Cheaper. Deke. D-I-C. And you got what you paid for with Deke. So probably Deke made a lower bid than Filmation was going to. Since we Deke have had some good cartoons though. Eh. And even if it was cheap, like I honestly like the way real Ghostbusters was animated. It looked nice. So Filmation decided, you know what? F you. Since we have the original 1975 show, we're going to make our own Ghostbusters cartoon based mm. on that. Columbia actually tried to stop them. But they're like, no, it's a sequel to the 1975 show. And in fact, it was the kids 
of the 1975 characters in the main show, and they got the original actors from this 1975 show to do the voices of their same characters. So there's no way Columbia could stop them. So that's why Columbia decided we're going to go with we're the real Ghostbusters, and then what a, what a whole petty situation that is. Oh, it, oh, it, it's you petty know, I'm, as hell. I'm glad. I'm really glad Filmation didn't make the uh, actual, you know, like the like the Bill Murray Ghostbusters Ghostbuster cartoon. Because as much as people want to praise like He Man and stuff like that, their animation was fucking terrible. I it like it wasn't good. Like it was terrible. They would reuse like watch any given episode of He-Man. They're constantly reusing animations. It's not that different from like the old Spider-Man cartoon. If you watch the filmation cartoon, you can tell it looks exactly like He-Man. Yeah. Uh, even down to the uh the Lord that uh, gets all the ghosts out into the public. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas like Deke, every every character looked very unique and also kind of like you know B- Venkman looked a lot like Venkman in kind of a cartoony way, and everybody had an an interesting, unique look to him instead of just being ev- every character is muscle bound with a different hairstyle or skull for a head. Like it's yeah. I think I think Deke was good, and I'm, I'm trying to remember other. I think the I think the raccoons might have been animated by Deke as well. No, no, and maybe. Uh, Inspector Gadget. Yeah, it, yeah it's that Inspector was a Gadget, brilliantly no, um, animated cartoon. I, I just want to correct you. The raccoons was Navala. They were the people okay. that did Care Bears and the droids and Ewoks stuff. But yeah, I mean, if they did, they did Inspector Gadget, as Cecil pointed out, and that was a really, really well animated cartoon. Very uniquely animated, too. It didn't look like all their other stuff. Every cartoon they had had its own unique personality to it. And I think that's why they were, they were so good to, they were the perfect choice to do real Ghostbusters instead, because they really did give us a, one hell of a memorable show. And then the other thing about real Ghostbusters is one of the complaints right off the bat was they don't look like, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and all that. Deke couldn't get the likeness rights. None of the actors would sign over the likeness rights. That's why everything was so exaggerated cartoony. And in retrospect, I think that's why real Ghostbusters worked. Yeah, It, it, it wasn't trying to actually adapt the movie, although it did a few times specifically refer to and go back to the movie. I think the real Ghostbusters work, one, because of great writing in the early episodes, but because it was so different and we didn't have this Ghostbusters 2 yet, I think that's why real Ghostbusters worked. Now, again, I like the filmation Ghostbusters, but I like real Ghostbusters as well. I love Frank Lorenzo's uh, voice acting on that show. It really, really, he does a great, great Bill Murray, and he has that same kind of sarcastic tone down, just like Bill Murray does. Well, yeah, if you're going to get anybody to voice Venkman, you might as well just get Garfield if you can't get Bill Murray. (laughs) Excellent, I thought. I adored it until they had to change it to Dave. Coulier. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of, but that was in the bad years. That was oh when God. Slimer took over as the main character of the show. <laughs> and yeah, the the we don't we don't like to talk about those years. The, 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 those were the years when all of the consultants took over, tried to find a way to make it sell more toys rather than be a good show. Yeah, well, we got this show that's a big hit. We're gonna tell you how to make it good. <laughs> it's like, okay. but we're already number one in our time slot. Well, we're going to make you number one-er. We can, <laughs> we can make it better-er. <laughs> and then they never make it better. No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah, I think that uh, the cartoon uh, was was fantastic. I remember watching the real Ghostbusters and just loving it. 
on another channel, they were running the, uh, the other Ghostbusters. And at the time, I'm like, the hell is this? Like they're, they're, <laughs> they're sliding, they're sliding into like the ghost realm and there's a monkey and this is terrible. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I watched it again. I'm like, all right, you know what? It's got a quirky charm. And I, you know, I, at the time I didn't know about the, the whole history behind it. I thought it was just like somehow they did, you know, cause my young brain, I didn't understand how, uh, the, copyrights and all that stuff work so i was just like oh these guys did like a knockoff but it's like with like they're actually fighting ghosts with vacuum cleaners and like this is stupid the real ghostbusters the animation it was just bright and clean and like very snazzy and every episode was fun janine was was hot and like like she actually got to be a ghostbuster a few times she yeah, did. she actually like yeah. got to be a Ghostbuster to help out and stuff. So they gave her, you know, more more character. Yeah, um, that was actually really until, cool. They... Until the consultants took over, and then Janine became. They wanted her to be like a mother to the boys of the Ghostbusters. Oh, so God. once the consultants took over, they actually defeminized Janine. You know, it, reverse it, feminism. It shows that that these um these consultants and these producers and stuff and and these studio execs they completely don't know the plot they're they're all a bunch of plotless curb munchers who have no idea what they're even talking about <laughs> they really don't they That's they just true. they they're well the thing is they're always trying to justify their job so it's mm-hmm. like if they have sh- something that's a huge hit Instead of just letting the creative people be creative, they have to be like, oh, God, well, we need to do something to make this more of a hit. And then they inject themselves into it and they cause it to fail. But then there's no recourse on them for, hey, you just F this whole thing up. Oh, well, I guess it ran its course. Yeah, even though they're they're one... Their one sole job is to fund the fucking project. Just keep throwing money at it and let the creators do their jobs. Let the, not the creators, but the creatives, the people who write, the people who animate it, the people who know what the fuck they're doing. Just keep throwing money at it and it'll keep doing well. Yeah, no, that's too hard. And they get the idea that, uh, because the show's doing perfect, that they can make it do more perfect if they just keep trying to perfect it, if you will. I have no idea why they kept fight, why they would do that, though. Well, that's just something that, that'll always be around. Studio execs that that meddle and ruin shit. If anything, that's more prominent now than it is back then. And they think it's going to last forever. They 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 want to they keep the, its original fan base, but they keep everything the same instead of making things different. And all of a sudden, everybody gets bored of it quicker. Yeah. And nobody really cares for a bunch of changes to a show that's, I don't know, about four seasons in or three seasons in by that point. Eh. Yeah. And all of a sudden, let's change everything. Let's change yeah. all the things that worked and make things different because we're the execs and we apparently know better. No, just keep throwing money at the project. That's all you are. I don't want to sit here and watch these kids fight the ghost in between all the episodes. I don't care about that. Get me back to the Ghostbusters. Exactly. I can get used to this new voice and so I can get used to Janine babying. Peter. <laughs> but, but then but then you also had, like you mentioned, Bill, gone for a couple of seasons now, going from Saturday mornings to weekday afternoons, and then eventually back to Saturday mornings, and getting the Slimer spinoff. Well, Columbia was pushing them, we need to make a sequel. Ghostbusters 2, it's time. And I think this is where they screwed up. They waited too long this time. It took them an extra five years, almost, to get a sequel made. And by then... The magic was gone. 
By the time Ghostbusters 2 was made, let's just leave the quality of the movie aside for right now. Ghostbusters had cooled off. It was not the big pop culture phenomenon it was. They waited too long to make Ghostbusters 2, and then the fact that it wasn't very good didn't help. It was a it was a beat-for-beat beat remake. I mean, if you look at it as a beat-for-beat beat story conference, it's a remake of the first movie. Ghostbusters 2 is less bad than it is totally underwhelming. And that's mm-hmm. why Ghostbusters 2 fails with me is it was too much of the same and what was new wasn't that good uh, that's actually what a lot of people tell me personally i think ghostbusters 2 is a lot of fun yeah it does pretty much recapture the first movie beat for beat but to me uh it seems like i'm already invested into this franchise everything's already established for me so it's just kind of a continuation of everything else even though it does get really 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 goofy at times the end is really anticlimactic it's, you know they just shoot him back into the painting and that's that it does have some really uh i think there are some legitimately creepy scenes in there some of uh their best lines come from this movie, which is what I think this movie's what makes this movie so special. The way everybody acts together and everybody's performance is just really, really in there. It does come off a little bit more childish sometimes. It seems more lighthearted, but it's really, really, really intense in some scenes at the same time. It kind of confuses me the way why it does that they said it they were trying to get more of a children's audience but you got baby oscar out on the ledge you got that scene where they're in the tunnel and all the heads pop up it scares the hell out of me sometimes i think it's fun i don't know i think it's fine i mean it's it's a sequel that i enjoy and as uh, bill said it's got some weird interesting like scary moments and it's also lighthearted at the same time i thought the thought the idea of uh, vigo the living painting was kind of cool that he's this uh warlord ghost thing trapped in a in a painting and you got the you got the purple goo you got them uh controlling the statue of liberty with some uh nintendo add-on controller yes advantage yes yes i think it's 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 worth it's worth its weight in in Slimer Goo. Um, I like Ghostbusters too. It does feel sort of like, uh, at times a rehash of the first movie. And in that same sense as, uh, again, to re, to reiterate Bill, it's sort of, it's got the goofy family friendly moments and it's got the scary moments, much like the first film did. I like it. I like Ghostbusters too. I think it's, it's, um, worthy as a sequel. It's, it's not bad. It's, it's really fun. Everybody delivers just the, the same amount of, of iconic performances and, and some great memorable lines as well, just like with the first film. It's, it's a good sequel. You know, sequels aren't always, uh, more, more often than not, sequels are underwhelming compared to the first film. So you can't really knock it too much, but I still think it was good for, a, for a sequel to a movie that was iconic as, as Ghostbusters was. It was about as good as it was going to get. What they did, Essentially, it had been too long for them to do the sequel, but what they did was it was a way of kind of rebooting it in a sense. It was bringing everybody back up to speed. It was like, okay, the Ghostbusters, yeah, they saved New York, but what have you done for me lately? What, a, you know, they've fallen out of favor and now, uh, they're working, you know, doing children's parties and stuff and they needed another event in order to kind of pull them back. So I think that's what they were going for. It was like, okay, the Ghostbusters have been away for a while. People have forgotten about them. They're no longer relevant. How can we bring them back? Oh, here is Vigo who is going to take over and, uh, you know, they need to, to, 
kind of bring that up. So it does have a lot of the same beats as the original, but it did have a lot of inventiveness to it. There was the whole thing about the mood slime and there was there were the the, the ghosts, the, the whatever brothers in the electric chair, you know. Yeah, you know, and it was like really clever things like that really turned you around. So then it ends with them getting into this, uh, you know, trying to be able to overcome evil with good. So they get into the Statue of Liberty and they build up, you know, the city of brotherly love and they, t- you know, they go into the, or no, that's Philly. What am I talking about? I was going to say, I don't <laughs> think that's New York, Cecil. Yeah, okay. no, city, no, New York is, I love New York. Yeah, I was getting my cities mixed up here, even though I live here. But they're, they're building up the good nature of people and bring, you know, using the, the, the mood goo to mood slime to kind of bring that in as a way for them to, to get in and fight him. And I, I thought it was, it was clever. And I think they could have spun that off into, uh, if they would have followed that up right away with a, with a three, then that probably would have, would have been good. But for whatever reason, uh, I mean, it just, it, it, again, it was still the right people, maybe not the right script, very talented and just not the right time. They just, they waited too long and I still really enjoy it, but it was a way of them trying to recapture lightning in a bottle and it just, there was too much of a gap. And that gap would continue because until extreme Ghostbusters in the late 90s, the Ghostbusters franchise would kind of go dormant. Not completely, because there would be a couple of video games, there'd be a great Sega game. I'm not talking about the terrible NES games. There was a great <laughs> Sega There was a great Sega Genesis game for Ghostbusters. It was a role-playing game. There was comic books. But the franchise went basically dormant until, what was it, 2009 when the, when the Xbox PS3 game came out? Not only a great game, it's essentially Ghostbusters 3 as a video game. They were using what the script was basically going to be for Ghostbusters 3, I think. Yeah, yeah Dan Aykroyd said that, th- that the game is Ghostbusters 3. Yeah, mm. and, and, and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis came back to write the script, or co-write the mm. script. All of the original cast, including longtime holdout Bill Murray, was back to do all their characters, and it takes place only a year after Ghostbusters 2. The video game is Ghostbusters 3. It's just a 16-hour Ghostbusters 3 that you have to play. <laughs> and because it's a video game, they, they're, they were the same age as they were Back in, uh, you go Yeah, it takes place too. in what, 90, 93, I think? 94 maybe is when the game takes place? Yeah, yeah, so it's all their likenesses and they're all young. Like, if they were to try to do that now, it would be like, oh, that's not the next day. <laughs> that's, 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 why are their hairlines suddenly receding a day later? And why are they all fatter? <laughs> because and shut up, that's why. <laughs> it does work good as a third movie just because the movie, uh, the game is a quick play. It only takes a, yeah, only about, about a day or so to beat it. That was, I think, the wise move. At that point, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis knew they were probably never going to get a Ghostbusters 3 movie made because Bill Murray was a longtime holdout, which is a whole different story. There were all of these stories bef- coming out about Girlbusters, about how Ivan Reitman was being cut out, how the, the directors were being cut out, how the cast was being cut out, how all their ideas were being shit-canned. And it got to the point where a real Ghostbusters 3 was probably never going to happen, or they just waited too long, because like like Cecil pointed out, in the video game, they can be the same age. The actors, even if they all had come back, they're too old by this point. That was probably the best route to go, but then Paul Feig got involved. 
Well, I actually want to throw it back on, on the ladies because uh, since we are all in the business of ruining men's childhoods, um, <laughs> Kristen and Melissa had, uh, they came up with this way to really enrage men, which they thought would be uh, to do the folk lady version of, of Ghostbusters. So I would like them to perform that. When there's something strange <laughs> in your neighborhood, <laughs> who are you going to call the Ghostbusters? <laughs> The one thing I'll give Paul Feig is he didn't want to do a Ghostbusters remake. He was forced into it. He basically was told, if you ever want to work for Sony again, we want a Ghostbusters remake first. So that's the only thing I'll give him is he didn't really want to do this project. But And you can tell. He didn't even direct the goddamn it, thing. Girlbusters is, let's leave the Ghostbusters aspect out for right now. Just take it as a movie. It's a horrible movie. It's not the least bit funny. The characters have absolutely no charisma. They have no chemistry with one another as actors. The plot is horribly underwritten. The villain is so underwhelming, he's almost an afterthought. The villain is a f***ing MGTOW. <laughs> that's all it is. It's it uses so many like contemporary little little tropes and calling him like a like a basement dwelling virgin and like all this stuff. And and Paul Feig is is noted as saying that he didn't even really direct the movie. He would just let pretty much everybody improvise and none of them had anything good to work with. Oh, like, you there can was tell no it's improvised. fucking good improvisation. Like that whole like dumplings thing. Oh, I want extra dumplings in my soup or whatever it was. That running gag. What the f*** was that? And there are not one, not two, three full dance sequences in this movie because, because dancing's funny, right? Yeah. Now, Cecil, I know we'll have to kind of sit this one out because I, 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 be, I don't believe I'm putting words in your mouth, Cecil, when you refuse to see this movie on any level. Before the movie came out, uh, some people who uh, are uh, like have, have been some some people who uh, I I respect viciously libeled because they weren't going to see they they were they were like look i love the ghostbuster series this looks like complete garbage i am avoiding it they were dragged through the mud over it and and so i was just like all right you know what i already can't stand paul feig uh you know this is if you want to if you want to claim misogyny it wasn't misogyny that that got me to not see the movie it was paul feig because every single thing i've seen him do has been awful and that includes freaks and geeks i don't like it so uh i was just like you know what paul feig the combination of people who i respect being libeled go fuck yourselves I refuse to ever watch this movie. Mm -hmm. The thing with Ghostbusters is it doesn't really matter who the Ghostbusters are. Like, if you think about it, the original film, they're all just a bunch of sort of average, uh, dumpy, working-class sort of dudes. I mean, except for Winston. God damn it. Why can't I remember his name? Ernie Hudson. Ernie oh, Hudson. Because yeah. Ernie Hudson is a freaking jacked beast, which kind of makes him work as the uh, as the straight man. But that's the thing with Ghostbusters. You can kind of get anybody, and as long as they have charisma to make the characters work, that's fine. It doesn't matter what gender they are. It doesn't matter what race hey, they Pete, are. Pete, it doesn't Pete, matter. You're not understanding it. You're not understanding it. If there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe whatever you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing is I, I think uh, the cast 
in the film could have worked and the film could have been fine. You, you could have had a Ghostbusters movie that's all, all women. You could have a Ghostbusters movie that's all Hispanics or, or black people or gay people. It doesn't freaking matter as long as the script is good and as long as the performers are great. You know, as long as you have characters you can connect with on a certain level, you'll get a really good movie about, uh, out of it. That's why the first one was so good. You know, you had these characters that were awesomely charismatic and a script that really worked and people that knew how to improvise uh, when they needed to and improvisations that work and changes that worked and edits that worked. That's what made the original so iconic. And this one was, I think it was meddled with by the studio from the get go. They were like, we need to add this. We need to put this in. This needs to be said. And Paul Feig being like, oh, I'll just let my, my, uh, these actresses are so brilliant. I'll just let them run wild and do whatever they want to do. And that, that doesn't work when they don't actually have good ideas to go with. And they're all doing something different. Like, like Leslie Jones was doing something different. Melissa McCarthy was, had, had this different idea of what her character should be. That, that this whole dumpling thing needed to be, uh, a part of the subplot. And, you know, getting the, the car to use as the Echo One, that's like, um, it's like a hearse. And you have to have an extended five minute scene of them going, did you take the dead body out? Well, no, I didn't. Um, I got it, but I didn't check. There might be a dead body. So, so you didn't check? No, I didn't check. And that just goes on because that's improv comedy and stupid. It's just a horribly, horribly done film. I don't even know if I hate it. I mean, I know I just went into this anger fueled rant, but that's more just the technical makings of the film is is you need to actually buckle down and really get your head in the game about this. Shit. You can't just get a bunch of actors and go, oh, I love them so much. They'll do great even without my script. It's like, no, get on your get in the fucking chair and direct the goddamn movie. Don't just sit there like George Lucas in front of a blue screen. You know, it's like you, you got to do something. You gotta make your actors work. You're the fucking director. That's, I think that's ultimately why it failed is, is because of Paul Feig. He's a fucking idiot. He's a hack. He's an absolute hack. And I think that's why the movie didn't work. It's not because of any of the actresses. It's not because of Chris Hemsworth. It's not because of any of that shit. It's because Paul Feig was so up his own ass with that male feminist bullshit that he was like, oh, they're, they're so great. I'll just let them do whatever they want. Newsflash, bud. Not everybody can improv amazingly. Like, that's not what the original was built on either. The original was also built on great script writing and performing that script. You got to have something there. You got to direct you got to do your job paul feig sucks the movie was politicized yeah and that yeah. killed it by making it a feminist film janine was a ghostbuster there was a female ghostbuster and extreme ghostbusters i have no janine problem was a great character too even in the original movie she didn't take any shit from them she was yeah. always giving him sass for them to say oh you're against this movie because you don't like women you're a misogynist and if paul feig had not made this a girl power movie and he he was so on board with this this is a female empowerment film and i mean he, he had all those photos taken on the set where they're all going girl power if he had not made this into a political statement it would have probably just been a forgot remake what i mean remakes come out all the time that nobody even remembers were remade how many people know that there was an it's alive remake a few years ago why does nobody remember it because it was just boring and forgettable. Now, if if they'd made that It's Alive remake as sort of a, this is a baby monster power movie, we'd remember it for the wrong reasons. That's why we remember Girlbusters, for all the wrong reasons. Well, the thing was, they, they had, uh, after 
a couple, maybe a year ago or so, Dan Aykroyd came out and he was like, well, it's been enough time. I can talk about this. And he had said that uh, they saw the original cut that Feig had put out and they were just, they, he was like, what is this? This is absolute garbage. And I think gave him another $40 million to go back and do massive reshoots to oh, try to Lord. fix the production. I think what happened was after all that was said and done, they were like, we dumped so much money into this. We need to have some sort of lightning rod to uh, guilt people into going yeah. to see it. So instead of just saying like, hey, here's new Ghostbusters and everybody's like, oh, and let's it live or die on that. They're, hey, here's new Ghostbusters. It's all women. Be sure to go see it or you hate women. But there's also the aspect of I don't put a whole lot of stock in Dan Aykroyd because also a week before the movie came out, he was telling people it's better than the original, funnier than the original, and scarier than the original. Of well, course! Then, and, and, and then once it, it bombs, it's like, oh, okay, I was just shilling. No, exactly. He said that because he had money invested into this, and he wanted people to go see it so he could make money. I don't really fault him for that. I, you know, it. Whenever you see an actor come out when they're when they're on, you know, Conan O'Brien or whatever, they're like, oh yeah, everybody was really good, and we had a great time, and we made this movie, and it's gonna be awesome. You should go see it. And then a yeah, couple years later, they're not gonna talk about the. They're not gonna talk about the balloons with jizz and the rats that were being delivered. They're not gonna do that on Conan. Yeah, they're not going to talk about how how terrible the movie is before the movie's released, uh, because that will that will unless completely... unless you're Robert Pattinson and that dude's fucking cool, or you're Bill Cosby. You yeah. guys should look up some of his interviews about Leonard Part Six before that came out. For, you know, why was he, a date was he rape raping and... women on set? <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, I think, just had a lot a lot of heart invested into this. He held on to it for years and years to come, and they finally greenlit it, which was with a shame of not long after Harold Ramis died. The Sony hack provided us with just how desperate they were for connections to the original. Now, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and all them, they needed the money, so they probably did their cameos for w without a whole lot of pushing. But Bill Murray, Sony actually considered suing him to force him to do a cameo in the movie. Yeah, That's he, how he's desperate one of the they were. Why, why a third one wasn't even made, wasn't he? Because he was just yeah. refusing to do it. Yeah, yeah he didn't want yeah. to do it. Which is surprising when he did the video game. So yeah. he, he always said it was a script problem. I'm not so sure about that. It seems like... It's I, a Bill I, I problem. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a Bill... I, he seems to be kind of a prickly individual. I think it was kind of a Bill Murray problem, but... I would say the, prick. I'd say more eccentric. Dan Aykroyd is the eccentric one, him with his all, like, uh, all his conspiracy theories and stuff. I think Bill is just kind of a prickly dude. Yeah, he just loves himself. I mean, he seems like... It's weird because you'll have instances where he's really down to earth. Like he'll go bartend for a bar out in New York or you'll randomly see him eating at a at a restaurant or he'll donate a bunch of money to this or be nice to this fan. But then he'll be a douche uh, about something else. Like, I don't know. I can't. Uh, he's prickly. I think prickly would be the perfect uh, definition of Bill Murray because he's not always an asshole. But when he is one, he really pricks you. Okay, so Girlbusters fails miserably, as it should have. And, of course, it gets blamed on all those misogynist guys. Where does that leave, then, the franchise? Because, to the best of my knowledge, they're not going to be doing another remake. I, I heard, if Girlbusters was successful, that they were in the early stages of another cartoon, obviously based on the Girlbusters version, which would still have not been good. Where is Ghostbusters now? Because, to me, in pop culture... 
it's still huge. Just yesterday, when I was at my girlfriend's house, my girlfriend lives in the projects, and I was wearing a Ghostbusters t-shirt. I went out to my car for something, and all these little kids were playing on the playground equipment, and they go, Ghostbusters! They know that symbol. Go Is Ghostbusters so rooted in pop culture that even Girlbusters can't wreck its legacy? Uh, the original movies and the original cartoon, too many people have way too many fond memories of watching them over and over and over again and growing up on them that something mm. as silly as a remake like this with a bunch of talentless girls who really just sit around making jokes all people. Even what Cecil just uh, said about not he's one of those person who didn't go see it. That's what a lot of people are doing. My brother adores Ghostbusters to the moon and back. Grew up big time watching the real Ghostbusters, playing the awful Nintendo game. And he just, I, I asked him about it recently, and he said, oh, no, 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 I didn't see that. Oh, no, I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, that, no. no, 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 that didn't happen. I mean, what about like, uh, like look at Terminator. Technically, there's only two good movies in that franchise. Everything else is a TV show. Good good TV show. Terminator 2, everything has either been average to below average to, oh my god, what the f*** was that? But everybody's still, everybody's still, I liked 5, okay? I liked Genesis. I'm just saying, in terms of like general consensus, (laughs) the first two movies are brilliant. And that's why... They have staying power. Everybody's going to remember Terminator. Everybody's going to remember Terminator 2, especially. 3 had its problems. Salvation was was shit. Uh, Genesis was good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good theatrical experience. But you're never going to capture that lightning of lightning in a bottle of the first two films. And I think that's why it's going to have the iconic staying power that it has. Same with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was such a fucking brilliant first movie. It's such a great film with such a great cast and everything came together so perfectly with a fantastic toy line and cartoon and, and a sequel that worked. Uh, you know, Extreme Ghostbusters was pretty good. I remember that from the from the late 90s, uh, mid to late 90s. I think there's there's so much there that that still is so iconic and recognizable to people is that it doesn't matter if you make a a, a shitty remake here or there or a, or a forgotten sequel or, or whatever. It's the same thing with a lot of things. You know, RoboCop had a shitty remake. RoboCop had a a shitty third sequel and a couple bad, uh, really bad TV shows and miniseries. What do people still remember? That first awesome movie. That's what people remember about RoboCop. They don't, they don't think to RoboCop 3. They don't think to that shitty Joel Kinnaman remake. They think of the first movie. And it, and it deserves its staying power because it kicks ass. That's what matters. My brother-in-law has a, a 10-year-old son. When he was eight, he showed him the original Ghostbusters. To him, it blew him away. I mean, so I think that that's kind of the thing. It's it's an iconic film. It will resonate with people no matter how old you are. So, mm-hmm. you know, where he grew up loving it and he showed it to his son and then his son also loved it. So for Christmas, he got, you know, Lego Ghostbusters and the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and all that stuff. And it's all toys and whatnot and nostalgia based upon the original so if he doesn't even know that there there was a a reboot sequel whatever that had happened so i think that that's really the thing is that the first movie is so iconic that no matter what you do it's not really going to tarnish the beauty of the original so even though there was that crappy film that is uh you know i'm just saying crappy as the general consensus because i will never see it which is what i meant about terminator i do actually like a lot of the sequels right but i mean it's it's that it's so iconic you have new generation you have people that grew up watching it and that are now showing their kids it and they're loving it and i think that it's it's ridiculous when they were trying to do the whole they showed girls at comic-con 
dressed up in like Ghostbusters gear. And they're like, look, girls can finally be Ghostbusters. And it's like, girls could have been, girls were Ghostbusters before. Like, this isn't anything. Stop trying to invent something. It's like the thing with, with Black Panther we went over a couple of weeks ago. It's like, well, we finally have a black superhero movie. I'm like, you've had tons of black superhero movies. It's like, stop acting like. Well, they're almost like- also saying that now it's more. More that now there's an audience. Tons of black people have, have, have people of uh, like every race in the world likes uh, comic books. Yeah, you know, it's it's not it. There's always been an audience, and it's there's not an always. I know thing. tons of girls that love the uh, the Ghostbusters movie and that, that love comic books and stuff like that. It, it's ridiculous. It's so fucking regressive. It's all about trying to get the everybody to appeal to everybody else. It's all this forced diversity, if you will. Yeah, That's true, but. But but you have to wonder now. Sony, which is I, I think should be considered a dangerous weapon because they are a professional bomb factory at this. Yes, point. Yes, they are. But yeah. <laughs> but I think Sony is not going to have learned their lesson with this. You know, three years from now, five years from now, eight years from now, they're gonna try this again. They're gonna try another Ghostbusters reboot. We all know this is going to happen. Oh, of course, of course, oh, yeah. And I think that's the problem. They need to realize when to stop. You don't always need to make a new franchise. You don't always need to continue a franchise. Because again, going to the Sony hack, when you look at some of the ideas that Sony executives had for Girlbusters remake, some of this, they wanted the ghosts of aliens in there because then they could get sci-fi fans too. And you just go, this is mind-bogglingly fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see there was an episode of South Park where Cartman uh was uh Osimo the robot and he went into like this film studio executive's place and he was like pitching movie ideas and he gave him like 150 plus movie ideas and each one was starring Adam Sandler. It was like, uh, <laughs> you know, Adam Sandler falls in love with a girl, but then he finds out that she's really a golden retriever and they're all like, <laughs> yes, yeah, they're like, this is brilliant. And I mean that like reading the Sony hack, like it's like, yeah, it's almost like every idea is just, yeah, this sucks, but they're going to green light it. Yeah, this sucks, but they're going to gonna green light it oh what's this dread 2 no nobody wants that movie <laughs> no we yeah, want 21 jump street joining the men in black because f- you yeah <laughs> I, I will i will join you with your anger over that because what what huh i i can't fathom like the like alien versus predator made sense you know there are other combination films you know freddy versus jason Made sense. Yeah, these 21 Jump Street and Men in Black. Coming. Long time coming movies. It's yeah. because, hey, why not, right? Yeah, no, people instead, will uh, want this. Apparently what we, what we want to see is Kevin James is a zookeeper. F*** you. <laughs> Kevin James, was it Rob Schneider? He is Rip a Schneider. Rated all right, PG-13. Well, all right, well, to, to, to end up on Ghostbusters then, what do you think the legacy of Ghostbusters is going to be? Do you think it's going to be the first movie, which is what most people know? Or do you think, and, and I don't think I'm unfair in saying this, there are a lot of people nowadays that identify the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, more than the movie. I have seen the younger generation, that seems, because that's been playing on lots of cable channels and things mm-hmm. like that. I think the cartoon might actually bring in more new generation fans than the original movie. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not so at all. what will the legacy of Ghostbusters be? I think it'll be the first two movies and the cartoon included, honestly. That's what everybody seems to remember for the most part. And 
Nobody's going to, I mean, yeah, sure, people are going to remember the remake that came out. But again, people have stepped over it and continue to love the Ghostbusters franchise. Not many people know about the Filmation Ghostbusters, even though that doesn't really count. And Extreme Ghostbusters, most people get about and it gets kind of, you know, so it's got a lot of misses in there, but when it comes to the hits, they're absolutely wonderful to the point where those misses don't even matter. Ghostbusters is going to be just fine, even if they keep trying to give it another remake, try to give us somebody else, or God forbid they ever make that male remake. That they're... It'll continue to be mostly the first one, and then by proxy, uh, the sequel, and then uh, the real Ghostbusters. I think uh, they've all proven beyond the test of time, they're still incredibly like incredibly watchable you can go back and enjoy them the real ghostbusters up until they switched over to slimer and the real ghostbusters but i mean there is something to that my again going to my my brother-in-law uh, and his son uh, after he saw ghostbusters uh maybe a year or so later than he'd watched the the real ghostbusters and he loved slimer so uh, i mean that is something that is appealing to to kids which yeah. is what they were going towards so i think that that will probably be the the nostalgia of it they'll love the first one and they will enjoy the second one and the uh the tv or the the real ghostbusters but i think that that will always kind of live on well beyond any you know half-assed uh remake i mean maybe they will eventually do a remake that's good it's i mean there have been good remakes it does yeah. happen it's not out of the realm of possibility it's just that you really when you're remaking something that iconic you, you don't already hire Paul Feig. you don't <laughs> hire well you just don't hire Paul Feig like ever at all because he sucks that goes into it but yeah you need the right amount of heart you need the right talent you need the right people involved and as I've said a million times before stop taking iconic films and remaking them take movies that had good ideas but you know did bad execution they didn't have enough money or there was studio meddling and go back and remake them don't remake the crow don't remake Ghostbusters you know remake Project Metal Beast remake movies <laughs> that like you know had good ideas but just flawed execution it's a cyber werewolf man ah uh, it was awesome but starring it like, kane hotter starring kane hotter is the werewolf as the metal beast it's a bulletproof <laughs> werewolf come on i mean it's i i love it but it it it, it needed it, it needed a few extra dollars i think ghostbusters will be just fine okay short and to the point even though we ain't afraid of no ghosts, where can people find Bill if they would like to? Uh, not really anywhere, but I guess you can find me at my Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash midnightmoviemaven with two N's, or you can actually email me at midnightmoviemaven with two N's at gmail.com. And Pete, besides leaving for work in a few minutes, where can people find you? You can find me at work on Twitter at Cinematica, on YouTube, The Cinemasticus, Facebook, The Cinemasticus, and on, uh, on 1201beyond.com, uh, where I've got shirts, I've got videos, I gotta get to f***ing work. <laughs> and Cecil, where can people find you stewing in your hatred for Paul Feig? Uh, I will be stewing in my hatred of Paul Feig, but also celebrating the fact that Ecto Cooler was re-released and I bought about a pallet of it. So, uh, <laughs> I still, I still seriously have about eight cases of Ecto Cooler that yeah, I'm very, of course slow, you do. I'm very slowly out. drinking. Well, they were having a clearance sale. So, yep. uh, I, I bought it all up. Uh, anyway, at, uh, goodbadflicks.com as well as goodbadflicks on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Facebook, and also at 1201beyond.com. 
And you can find me at 1201beyond.com, and you can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com to tell us what all misogynists we are because we didn't like a very, very unfunny movie. So you guys, try to have a good night. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.